Welcome to Urban Forum Northwest with your co-hosts Hayward Evans and Eddie Rye. Uh, we have a number of people we're going to be talking with today. Some real hot stuff going on in Washington State regarding affirmative action or the lack thereof. Disparity studies and all those things. But quite a few things are happening on the national scene, too. Uh, the atrocities we've seen in uh, Dayton and also in El Paso. And uh, we have on the line with us one of the distinguished members of the United States Congress, uh, Congressman Emanuel Cleaver of Kansas City, uh, who serves on several committees. And uh, Congressman Cleaver, welcome to Urban Forum Northwest. Thank you for taking time out to talk to the people in our listening audience. And Absolutely. Good to be with you. Just like to have you, first of all, let's go right to the heart of the matter and talk about uh, what happened in Dayton and what happened in, yeah. uh, in El Paso, what happened in Gilroy. And uh, it just don't seem like it will stop. And now you got uh, the president going down to a place where a lot of folks say he's responsible for the activities that happened. So I'd like to hear you comment on that as a member of the House. Well, um, most of us are alarmed uh, over uh, the fact that uh, the president has used uh, language uh, over the last uh, two and a half years uh, that uh, weak minds uh, can and have absorbed. And uh, I think it has contributed uh, to uh, a lot of the growing right-wing uh, white nationalist uh, sentiment in the country. Uh, we know that it's there uh, because the uh, director of the FBI uh, has told us uh, at a uh, hearing in Washington uh, that uh, that the white supremacy uh, poses an existential threat uh, to the to the nation, and uh, until we put in place a number of programs uh, and change a number of things. We're not going to, to be able uh, to control, uh, you know, this growing uh, trend in, in our country. Uh, and it's not just uh, gun control. Uh, people, uh, many of your listeners may have forgotten that back during the Reagan administration, uh, much of the federal funding for mental health clinics uh, was uh, cut. Uh, and it deinstitutionalized a number of people uh, who uh, should have been locked up. Uh, uh, and um, that has to be uh, dealt with. Uh, we've got to deal with uh, semi-automatic weapons. Uh, we've got to deal with the, the boyfriend uh, section of, of uh, any legislation, whereby if you've been arrested, on any charge of domestic uh, uh, domestic abuse, you are unable to go out and buy a gun. Uh, not only can you not buy one, you cannot possess a gun. And um, so that there are many, many things that would have to be put in place uh, to uh, really, really halt what's going on. Uh, and those people who will say, well, if you just do background checks, that's not going to do it. They're absolutely right, uh, but they're also uh, uh, trying to trivialize things uh, because they know that. Uh, I mean, everybody with uh, a even warm temperature IQ, warm room temperature, uh, knows that you uh, uh, you've got to do much more than that to, to uh, reverse what has been a, 
a trend in our country since the 1970s. Well, Congressman, in terms of uh, the president now going around to El Paso and these other places, and it really his, his rhetoric has not changed at all. Uh, and I guess uh, a lot of people are appalled at the silence of the Senate. And uh, I keep hearing some members of the Democratic Party, uh, members of Congress, uh, keep saying, oh, you know, they talked about impeachment. Well, no, we got to get about the people's business. But when we had Bobby Scott on here about a month or so ago, he was talking about the number of bills that the committees in the House are passing that's dying at the door of the Senate. So could you just share with our listeners uh, to clarify that the House is definitely doing business, but it's being blocked by the Senate? Well, look, uh, the, the, the the founders of our nation, uh, the framers of our uh, Constitution and, way, uh, and our way of life would just be uh, dumbfounded to see what has happened to the first article uh, uh, of the Constitution. Um, uh, let, let's just give you an example. Uh, back in February, I believe, uh, I, along with uh, 239 other House members, uh, passed uh, House Resolution 8. HRH, and uh, the, the legislation uh, uh, allowed for background checks, and it it, it uh, would close some of the loopholes like uh, gun sales uh, at gun shows and uh, sales of of guns over the internet and private dealers. Anyway, those those bills are currently sitting on the desk of the Senate Majority mm-hmm. uh, Leader uh, Mitch McConnell. Now think about this, and I would like for your audience to think about this. We are a nation of 300 million people, uh, most of whom support uh, common sense background checks, most of whom uh, uh, support uh, reducing the number of uh, guns on the streets by prohibiting uh, uh, these uh, machine guns. Um, And uh, one man in a nation of 300 million people, one man is holding it up. Uh, He won't even bring it to a vote. Uh, over in the Senate, and uh, that—that's what he what he's doing has uh, cannot be uh, explained in the U.S. Constitution. And as long as people allow the legislative branch uh, to to be weakened, uh, uh, we're putting in place a situation where our, our children and our children's children will see a different kind of America. Uh, the, the the framers did not want one man rule. In fact, that was one of the main reasons for for, for forming the the, the uh, United States was to get rid of one man rule. And right now, one man one man uh, can hold up uh, significant legislation like uh, gun uh, common sense gun gun reform. And he's sitting on the other one, uh, legislation to shore up our elections, that make sure that there's no intervention by foreign entities. Yes, uh, and, and uh, he has, uh, I was telling my son last night, you know, if, if, if Mr. McConnell were a friend of mine, I would go and tell him, sir, <laughs> uh, this name, um, Moscow Mitch, is going to end up in, in history books. Moscow. Uh, your, your grandchildren, sir, and their children are going to read that you had earned the moniker of Moscow Mitch, and and he got that uh, from uh, people because uh, we wanted to uh, 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 we we approved 
uh, legislation that would put money in place for the for our state to strengthen uh, their uh, election system uh, to to uh, uh, try to stop the Russians, whom we already know will attempt uh, to interfere with our election. How do we know? Uh, well, the, the head of the FBI has said that was mm-hmm. the information that they have recovered. Uh, the National Security uh, Director has said that was the issue. Uh, I'm on the Homeland Committee, uh, chaired by Benny Thompson, and uh, anybody on that committee can tell you uh, that when we get information, this is not uh, classified information I'm giving, uh, but when we get information, uh, we have not had one single person from the intelligence uh, community to say that we are not going to be attacked again by Russia. And uh, yet, Mr. McConnell, for some reason that I simply don't understand, will not bring that up to a vote. And and, and Maybe he uh, thinks it's about, and about not bringing it up, it'll get Trump reelected. Well, that's, that, that's exactly what, what many uh, people are saying, is that, that, that I, I, now, I really don't want to, to, to believe that. It is, it is widely believed, but I, I'm trying not to believe it because uh, if, if it is true, then uh, I am, am, am predicting that this country won't be around uh, for another hundred years, it, 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 we're teetering on the very edge of survival when uh, people in our government are overtly doing things to hurt our country uh, in favor of another country. I, the only exactly. person who can be celebrating this is, is Vladimir Putin, um, and, and 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 that is just one of the things that keeps me awake at night. Uh, Congressman Cleaver Hayward here. It sounds like that the House does have the stomach for common-sense gun control and to make sure we don't have election interference. So it sounds like everything's being held up in the Senate. What what Uh, senators are vulnerable, and is Mitch McConnell vulnerable? What are his vulnerabilities? How do we get to him? Well, Mitch McConnell uh, right now is the has the lowest approval rating of any member of the Senate uh, in his in his state. Uh, you know he and yet and yet he um, is uh, further damaging himself by uh, you know holding legislation. Almost any piece of legislation that is significant is being held by Mitch McConnell. And so um, you know only the people of, of Kentucky. Are going to be able to uh, to, to, to deal with him, uh, but uh, we we all need to put pressure uh, on him. We we need to um, uh, continue to do what I just did. I just sent uh, him a letter uh, so that my grandchildren will know uh, that I did not just sit quietly and passively uh, while I saw uh, the the government of the United States. Uh, bending and bowing uh, to uh, our arch enemy, uh, uh, Russia. Mm-hmm. Uh, Congressman, I wanted to change the subject right quick. Now uh, there are, what, 55 members of the Congressional Black Caucus? Yes. Okay. Yes. And uh, they chair in, uh, 21 committees and subcommittees. Could we just talk about that? Because I also want to take a couple of minutes to talk about Tunica. Could you just talk about the committee uh, chairmanships that 
the members of the CDC hold at this time to give our listeners yes, some kind of idea where they can go to get some help with Congress? Well, I joke, I joke with uh, some of the members of the CBC uh, uh, saying that we need to keep it a secret uh, <laughs> that African-Americans and, and, and uh, all these significant positions uh, because we might cause a nationwide suicide epidemic. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you start thinking about the, the, the committees. Well, uh, uh, Maxine Waters is the chair of the Financial Services Committee, which uh, used to be called the Banking Committee. All uh, banking issues uh, come before our community, committee, including the Federal Reserve. Uh, and uh, Benny Thompson uh, is the chair of the Homeland Security Committee. Uh, the, uh, the the top uh, committee uh, it has the largest workforce of any of the federal agencies. Uh, Homeland Security uh, uh include uh, all of the, the the agencies that we use in emergencies, like uh, the the, the uh, when when there's a tragedy, FEMA uh, is called in. Well, we we control FEMA. We control uh, the workers at the airports and so forth. Uh, Benny Thompson, African American member from uh, Mississippi, is the chair of that uh, committee. Elijah Cummings uh, from Maryland. Uh, who, who, by the way, uh, is a uh, uh, one of the, the the most intelligent members of Congress. Uh, he's a Phi Beta Kappa, uh, and I did warn one Donald Trump to be careful because uh, you're in the wrong you're in the wrong league when you try to get into argument with a Phi Beta Kappa. Uh, but uh, Elijah Cumming, uh, Cummings uh, chairs the committee on uh, investigations and reform. Uh, and uh, and is doing it with great class and uh, great uh, efficiency, which is why uh, he has um, he has uh, attracted uh, the hate of uh, uh, President Donald Trump, the the, the uh, commander in in, in hate. Um, <laughs> and then we have a, a number of other subcommittee chairs uh, uh, that just boggles the mind, and uh, it's put us in a good spot, uh, I think, to, to make an imprint on the country. And if you look at, at what's going on in the country and, and look at the, read the news and look at uh, 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 the news on television, you can see uh, African-Americans stepping up to the microphone, uh, providing the leadership. And I think it's driving some people crazy, which I think is why uh, Donald Trump launched that uh, attack on Elijah Cummings. And I uh, go ahead, Edward. No, you know, but that was just horrific for him to come out and talk about the good people of Detroit, their city, and, and him, and him, or Baltimore, and him personally. That was that was just absolutely wrong. Some people have said, and this is what I heard, and and I know you have much greater insight. What if number number forty five loses the election, and then he calls it fake news and doesn't step down? How's that going to be handled? Well, there's a lot of uh, paranoia around what would happen uh, if we were able to defeat Donald Trump. And based on his last, past comments, uh, people, there are people, and I, I don't think it's crazy uh, to, to think this, but there are people who believe that the president, uh, you know, is going to say, uh, you know, the, the, the system was rigged against him. Yeah. Uh, 
re- remember, he, he he said that uh, during the last election. Uh, he was and, right. And, too. It was rigged. It was rigged. By the Russian it was, it was rigged. Yeah. Uh, and he'll, Trump will generally tell us what, what what he's going to do because he'll accuse somebody else of it, of doing it uh, before he does it. So uh, there, there are people who believe that, that he uh, will say the election is rigged if he loses, but he would do that uh, not just because he wants to do it, but because he realizes that once he packs his uh, suitcase uh, and walks outside the gate or gets on a helicopter and flies outside the gate, Whenever he lands, there are going to be some handcuffs there Amen. Uh, waiting for him. And uh, I don't think he's uh, go- going to want, to want to easily walk away. Well, I'll tell you one thing. I, uh, mm. <laughs> I hope to see them cuffs clicking Me too. On, some, on, on the wrists on those so-called big hands he has. But would, would the military follow him uh, if, in fact, we have this outcome the way I anticipate is going to be a Democrat? Who's going to win this election? Will the military follow him if he says no? It's it's rigged. And haven't and you I'm seen all the, all the military people leave him already? <laughs> yeah, the that's what they, I don't think. I don't think we have, we have to worry about that. But Congressman, uh, could we uh, this weekend, uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturdays? Uh, there's going to be the uh, Congressional Black Caucus Institute Board, which uh, Angela Rise, a board member, and I know you're there every year. I think you're on the board as well. And I want to just let everybody know that Congressman Cleaver was chair of the Congressional Black Caucus. Uh, he had hired Angela Rye to be the general counsel and executive director. And when Congress, she worked with Homeland Security, and when Congressman uh, uh, Benny Thompson became the chair, he elevated her to be the, the senior advisor and, uh, and uh, counsel for the Homeland Security Committee. At 29, she was a younger senior advisor Ooh. on the Hill. And uh, Congressman, uh, there's a, a former state legislator by the name of Jesse Weinberry, who headed up, uh, I sent you an email. I know you probably didn't have a chance to read it, kicking back. But you got Jesse. Jesse, are you there? I'm here. Okay. We're on uh, Congressman Emanuel Cleaver's on the line, and I'm imposing. Congressman, you have a little few more, a few more minutes with us? Uh, absolutely. Okay. Here's the deal. We had a an, uh, attorney, former state representative, Jesse Weinberry, was one of the leaders of uh, uh, Initiative Drive to restore affirmative action in Washington State. Uh, I was what drove Art Fletcher all across the state in 1998. Uh, we had uh, two supremacists, uh, Tim Iman and John Carlson, who works for KVI here, radios, that's owned by ABC, so we got to keep ABC in focus. Uh, but Jesse Weinberry was responsible for launching this campaign, I-1000, and it was a restore affirmative action. He got almost 400,000 signatures. It passed, on a Sunday night, it passed the House and the Senate, April 18th. Uh, was it twenty eighth, Jesse, or eighteenth? The twenty eighth. The twenty eighth, and uh, we've come to find out that uh, our labor friends uh, had endorsed uh, an anti-affirmative action candidate. Uh, asked oh, me, asked me, Council twenty eight, AAFT Washington Carpenters, Washington State Building Trades, SEIU seven seventy five, IBEW seventy seven, the Teamsters endorsed and funded Republican State Senator Mark Melosha, a fierce, outspoken opponent of affirmative action mm-hmm. and backer of other right-wing issues. So, uh, you know, we, it, uh, our labor leaders did not testify on behalf of restoring affirmative action. And then by all of them getting behind uh, this uh, outspoken uh, uh, anti-affirmative this affirmative action opponent, 
Uh, and it's kind of interesting. I was talking to Angela about it, and I sent her a copy. About the same time as they were doing this in Washington State, they uh, didn't renew An- Angela's contract. So I guess SEIU was going to oppose affirmative action from the top down. Now, we know that some of these guys will be down in Tunica starting Thursday, Friday, Saturday. They're going to be there because you guys cheer 21 committees and subcommittees. <laughs> so I sent you a copy of this uh, Central Washington Civil Rights Coalition's letter of concern, and it went to the president of Washington State Liberal Council, uh, Larry Brown, signed by Hayward Evans, and uh, he has not responded. And then we were told by the secretary treasurer of the Washington State Labor Council that certain members of the legislature did not want Mr. Brown to testify to allow to have more opportunities for minorities to testify. And when you look at it, uh, it's just kind of ridiculous. So we know they're going to be down there, but I'd like to have... You just hear from Jesse Weinberry, Attorney Jesse Weinberry, on exactly how things are going and what kind of help we can get from the CBC to impose some pressure. Because I know every Friday night during the legislative weekend, Congressman Benny Thompson's fish fry is on the top of the IBEW building in Washington, D.C. It's a big deal. Uh, but, I, 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 you know, from time to time, unfortunately, uh, I think we still have to uh, even challenge our friends. Uh, there has been a, 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 a long and deep relationship between uh, the African American uh, community and, and organized labor, but uh, it has not always moved smoothly, and uh, and it has not always uh, moved uh, in the direction of um, of African Americans. So, uh, I, you know, unfortunately, I think from time to time we end up having to get into a battle with our own, uh, our own friends. Well, uh, Representative Weinberry, you want to just get, bring the congressman up to date on where we are? Sure. First of all, uh, how you doing, uh, Congressman Cleaver? It's good to hear your voice, and, and thank yeah, you for the work you. you're doing on behalf of all of us uh, in, in Congress uh, and with the Congressional Black Caucus. Um, the I-1000 uh, has uh, surpassed all expectations out here. Uh, number one, uh, it, it, it got more signatures than, I don't know if, if in your state they have the initiative process, but here in Washington State, and I guess in 22 other states, peop, the people, not the politicians, but the people can actually make law. They can draft legislation, and if they get enough signatures, it goes before the legislature, and the, and the legislature has a choice to either put vote it into law, uh, vote it down, or to just send it to the ballot. And in our case, we got more signatures than any other initiative in Washington State's 130-year history on any subject. Nearly 400,000 people signed to bring affirmative action back. They uh, Then it went to the legislature, and we successfully got it passed there, as Eddie has pointed out, not only in the House, but in the Senate. And so now it goes back to the voters on a ballot for them to approve it. And so we're running now a campaign that is very simple and clear. Approve I-1000. Keep fair opportunity in Washington State. And so uh-huh. that's, that's going to happen. And out here, again, this is a little bit different. Normally we'd be focusing on Election Day, which, of course, this year is November 5th. But out here, the polls that you and I grew up going to uh, have, been, have been killed. There's no polling places. It's all vote by mail. Everybody has to vote by mail. And so those ballots go out September 20th, which is next month. 
and then the final wave goes out October 14th. So it's a different kind of campaign that you have to run out here in Washington State, which means a whole lot has to go up front in advance instead of waiting till the last minute. So we would appreciate the Congressional Black Caucus actually uh, coming together and passing a resolution, if that's appropriate, that endorses uh, I-1000. The governor has endorsed it. Uh, Governor Inslee, who used to be obviously one of your colleagues in in the uh, Congress, Uh, Congressman Adam Smith and most of our congressional delegation, uh, the Democrats have endorsed it. Uh, We have uh, uh, support from uh, uh, all corners of the state. We have 39 counties, and we have people working in each of those counties to turn out our vote beginning next month. And we start, and we just launched our first television uh, ad uh, during Democratic presidential debates that ended up reaching a million people, focused on the the this the part of I-1000 that affects most people, and I'm sure you can relate to this, and it's and it's AIDS discrimination. So we're not just yes. attacking racial and gender discrimination with I-1000. It is an omnibus piece of legislation and that, attack, that attacks AIDS discrimination as well as racial, gender, uh, disability, and military veterans. And so um, that is where we are. The polls are showing that 65% of the people are ready to vote this into law as long as it covers <laughs> all of those uh, uh, categories of discrimination. And so this is a universal piece of legislation that affects everyone. And uh, I'll now answer any questions you might have. But well, uh, first Con- of all, go ahead, Congressman. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what you're doing. And I want to say you have a copy of the letter from the Civil Rights Coalition with the documentation, uh, uh, Congressman Cleaver. Uh, and, uh, as you were talking, I started. I'm, I'm rolling it up on the computer on my uh, uh, computer right now. Okay, I shared that with uh, Co- Congressman Benny Thompson's aide, Andrea Lee, with. Uh, Congress member Karen Bass and uh, uh, Congressman Hank Johnson and a few others just to see, because we know that all these leaders from these various unions are going to be down there seeking favors Mm -hmm. from individuals that have control over 21 committees and subcommittees. So, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so anyway, uh, as uh, Representative Weiber indicated, no labor leader testified on behalf of that that, that affirmative action initiative. And then when you read that, you'll see uh, it's all documented. Uh, uh, Attorney Jesse did a good job in putting that together. And, you know, the fact is, Haywood Evans, that was your letter to uh, President Larry Brown. Have you heard back from the Washington State Labor Council President Larry Uh, Brown? Last last time we heard back from them, they said that they wanted to reschedule with us and that they were going to get back in touch with us. And this is when they had the, uh, the national president was here. At oh, that for AFL-CIO? Yes. Okay, so when when was the promise made to reschedule? Um, about a week and a half, two weeks ago now. Okay. But the letter went in uh, July 20th. Yes. Okay. Yes. It's but been, you, did not hear, you did not hear from the president. You heard from the, sec- from the secretary treasurer. Okay, that's what I'm saying. So the letter went to President uh-huh. Brown, but you heard from someone else. Okay, go right ahead, uh, Jesse Weinberry. Well, one of the things that uh, Congressman Cleaver pointed out is that quite often we have to sit down with friends and family, for that matter, and uh, have candid conversations about issues or strategies that we may not agree with. And in this case, and I'm sure it's something he can relate to, 
quite often in organizations, be they labor, business, religious, or otherwise, you have your leadership that takes a certain position that may be favorable to you, but they, but their that their membership, their rank and file membership, uh, may not be in support of where of the position leadership is taken. So in this case, we've been endorsed by all of the labor unions, but when it comes to the funding, uh, when it comes to the testimony. Uh, when it comes to the vote, we have a report now that shows that 54 percent of labor and 41 percent of Democrats actually voted to kill affirmative action 20 years ago. Well, we didn't know that until recently when the Seattle Times revealed the polling data that had come in after the election, uh, where they went out and interviewed people and uh, and found out not only how they voted, but why they voted. And so we don't want to make that same mistake again 20 years later, which mm -hmm. is why we're asking labor to come to the table and uh, at least do some polling and educating of their membership so that the membership doesn't vote against the leadership in 2019. Well, we didn't see very much leadership from the, the, the leaders on from labor on I-1000, but Gentlemen, we are out of time. I appreciate yes. you. you. Congressman Cleaver, I will see you in Tunica. And okay, hopefully right. uh, when all those big union bosses come to you, uh, you can uh, let them know they need to get on the right side of justice and fairness. Absolutely. I, I appreciate uh, having a chance to chat with you and your audience. And they can Thank also you. prove their commitment by putting some money in the I-1000 campaign. There you go. Okay, that sir. Thank you all very much. Oh, okay. Thank you very much. I'll see you in Tunica. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and come back with our next guest after this. Step up your commute and ride light. Sound Transit's new Capitol Hill and University of Washington Link Light Rail stations are now open. Get around town faster and more reliably than ever. Ride now from the University of Washington to Capitol Hill in just four minutes or continue on to Westlake Station in just eight minutes. Find lots of helpful information on how to ride, how to get an ORCA card, and more at ulink2016.org. Link Light Rail. More stations, more places. At the Port of Seattle, diversity is the source of possibility and strength. And we honor our diverse community by expanding opportunities for all people to share in our region's economic prosperity. From the seaport to the airport, we're working to support small businesses, including those owned by women and minorities, and to create quality jobs with lifelong career paths. The Port of Seattle continues to be your port of opportunity. Conversation you won't find on the rest of the dial. Alternative Talk 1150. Okay, we're back at Urban Forum Northwest. We still have attorney, former state representative Jesse Weinberry on the line. Uh, before we uh, go any further, I want to let folks know that Urban Forum Northwest is brought to you by the Port of Seattle's Office of Social Responsibility. Yes, Marie Carosa, Eddie Rye, and members of the Civil Rights Coalition will see you Monday yes. at the meeting. <laughs> Uh, at Island Soul, okay, Sound Transit Small Business Development Labor Compliance Office, the City of Seattle's Purchasing and Construction Services Office, Concourse Concessions, SeaTac Bar Group LLC. They're both out of SeaTac Airport. Uh, Stephanie Ogle does our website, and Stephanie's going to be putting some together for the Mc the McKinney Center for Community and Economic Development, which will yeah. be located on Twenty Second and Jackson, and uh, 
We're going to be talking with a couple other people this afternoon. I missed the event at, at El Centro de la Rosa last night. Couldn't find a parking place from 10 blocks around, right. Estella, but we're going to apologize to you a little later. So, uh, Jesse Weinberry, going back to I-1000 and going back to uh, the Washington Civil Rights Coalition's letter to uh, President Larry Brown, uh, the one good thing about uh, being, at, being at Tunica, a number of uh, the members of the Congressional Black Caucus have a copy of Hayward's letter to the president. And so we'll see what we happens at the national level. So, Jesse, what would you recommend that happen locally uh, for folks? I know you said in terms of the ballots, a very important uh, initiative process. Uh, you said there's going to be two waves of ballots. Would you go over that with our listeners one, once more? Well, uh, number one, uh, the ballot that will be going out, uh, the first, there will be three waves of, of ballot mail out since in Washington state, we all have to vote by mail unless you have a disability, a sight or a mental disability that um, makes you an exception. And so those, the, the first wave will go out September 20th. The second wave of ballots will be mailed to you October 4th. And the final wave will go out on October 14th. And that's it. Uh, November 5th in Washington state is no longer this big election day of celebration and culmination. Uh, if, if you don't mail your ballots in timely, uh, you're not counted. So our campaign is moving. Well, we've already moved with the approved I-1000 campaign with our television ad to a million people in Washington state on the CNN presidential debates. And we are now gearing up for the, um, the August activities where we will be uh, focusing on our 39 counties throughout Washington state, educating people and making sure they have their sample ballot to be able to vote uh, really clearly and simply approve I-1000. That's all people have to remember, approve I-1000 and we will win. Uh, Jesse, I have a question now. Since you said it, the, the ballots are mailed on the 20th, uh, October, uh, September 20th, October 4th, and October 14th, is it possible to find out who's getting, when people get ballots, where, the, where they are in that wave, so that we could target the people when they initially get that ballot? Because a lot of them put it, you know, put it up. Well, Jesse, before you respond, Nat Jackson has joined us, yeah. and uh, we, we, gotta, we gotta about have about three minutes with Nat. Okay, we're on the line. We got about three minutes, brother, because we had another guest. Uh, sorry we missed you earlier. Jesse has been on for about the last 20 minutes or so. Can you just okay. share with us exactly what is happening from your perspective? Uh, Nat Jackson is the, the African American gentleman who's on the on uh, the radio or the television commercial with uh, uh, former Governor Dan Evans. So just talk about that okay. for a couple of minutes. We're gonna have to move on. Yeah, not 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 a problem. Eddie, what we were doing was really uh, clarifying and projecting so that people would know that the initiative actually prohibits discrimination based on age. And the current statute only deals with age in the workplace, but it doesn't deal with age in terms of getting uh, becoming employed. And that's very important because there are millions of people of all races that are faced with this age discrimination issue. I-1000, uh, hopefully that will do, which we plan to get it passed, we'll, we'll take care of that. Well, we uh, Jesse and, and Congressman Cleaver were just on uh, 
Uh, there's going to be the event in Tunica, Mississippi with the Congressional Black Caucus Institute. And I've shared uh, the letter from, from Hayward Evans uh, from the Civil, Washington State Civil Rights Coalition with a number of members of the Congressional Black Caucus who will be in Tunica, and I'll be down there Very with good. them because a lot Very of the labor good. leaders, the national labor leaders will be there, That's and good. we, we want to reveal good. to them the lack of support that their constituents, organizations in Washington State are giving us to the fact that there's not been a call returned. And also the word was out that uh, the uh, President Larry Brown of the Washington State Labor Council was not was asked not to testify by members of the legislature, and I put the call out to several of them to see which let members of the Le- uh, Washington State legislature requested that President Brown not testify because simultaneously they're funding and endorsing an anti affirmative action candidate in the person of Mark Velocia, who did lose. So, uh, but, uh, uh, Nat, we're going to get back with you. Uh, and well, re- I want to uh, go ahead. You are aware that you are aware that R88 was certified today, right? Oh yeah. Yes. Okay, you're aware of that. Yes. So we got a we got a we got a general election on our on our uh, on our hands. Right. So, right. And that that's the anti that's the anti affirmative action. There was uh right. Tim Iman, right. John Carlson, and primarily Chinese immigrants uh who de- de- deny opportunities for people who've Some been here four hundred years. That's why we can't let anybody forget that. That's why we need a federal designation for African descendants of the United States enslaved. Hey, thank both of y'all. And I'll be in touch. Exactly. I agree with that. Thank you. All right. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much. Our next guest is uh, Nichelle Alderson, and I think the name of her company is Infinitely Well. She's a member of the Sisters Rock the Arts. They're responsible for the best live music in town uh, being heard or played, I should say, and heard at Rumba Notes. So, Nichelle Hayward Evans, my co-host, and I are here. So, we want to, I hope I didn't mess up the name of your company. No, no, you've got it right. Infinitely well is who I am. Okay, so why don't you just share with our listeners exactly what kind of services you provide other than the entertainment side uh, with your firm? I know that I've seen uh, various uh, emails about workshops and stuff like that. Share that with our listeners and how you can uh, let, let them know how you can help them. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I see the fun in the entertainment side of things as a part of wellness, and so... Um, I build my business on, you know, all aspects of wellness holistically. As a service provider, I am a licensed independent clinical social worker. That means I do um, individual one-on-one psychotherapy counseling sessions with clients. Um, I also am a certified nutritional therapy practitioner. And so I um, work with people on, you know, adjusting their nutritional needs to support their health. I also do life and health and wellness coaching. So all of those are kind of services that I offer. The classes that I'm really excited about um, are changing lives and lifestyles. And one of them that I'm teaching right now is called Restart. It's a five-week self-care and nutrition class teaching people to get off of sugar and processed foods and really reset their lifestyle habits so that they can be on the path towards health, not death. Well, we're all on the path towards death, but at least we can extend that to some degree, if we choose lifestyle habits that are going to uh, support that. Now, for the services that you offer, uh, is there a website or where people can go and see exactly what you're offering and get information yeah. on it? Absolutely. My website is liveinfinitelywell.com, L-I-V-E-I-N-F-I-N-I-T-E-L-Y-W-E-L-L.com. And all the information is there. I'm not a... a, a 
technique. I'm really more of a one-on-one um, live in-person person. So if there's anything on the website that someone wants more information about, just call and email me. That's the best way to get the most accurate information. And uh, you've had uh, several kind of little workshops I've seen. Would you talk about some of the things you've done, I guess, in the past couple of months? I think I've seen at least two or three things you were doing. Yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of the work is around, like I said, that restart class. Um, one of the initiatives that we've taken up with Sisters Rock the Arts is to really influence our crowd with health and wellness. And so we've had various events uh, when we partnered with uh, Washington Hall back in the uh, winter time, and you know, really focused on um, people of color and health and wellness in our community, and how we can bring that to the audiences that we serve, um, the other artists that we work and collaborate with, uh, really uplifting that part of our community um, through different events. So I've been at Umojas Fest this past weekend, which was a blast. I was out there selling products that I that I um, have created called Mood Foods which are helpful for uplifting the moods for stress and depression, anxiety, there's sprays and oils and whatnot um, that use therapeutic-grade essential oils to uplift the mood and change the mood, um, you know, naturally. We were also out there performing. This is Rock the Arts had a, a, a main stage um, on Sunday opening up for Surface, so that was a blast. Um, and then other block parties, you know, I was at the Othello block party the week before. I'll be at the New Holly Health and Wellness Fair next week. Everything that I can do to get out into the community to expose and rep- and show some representation um, of what, you know, health and wellness looks like on us um, when we do it in our own style. Um, but like I said, the classes that I'm really pushing the most right now are about restart. I also do things like um, I train other clinicians, and so I, I have a monthly consultation group for clinicians of color. I, um, I, I take interns and externs and associates, and so there's a lot of activities that I'm involved in, none of them all at the same time. Trust me, I'm all about myself here. Okay, let's, let's, give up, let's give up the contact information for folks. Uh, I told you we had a short period today, but when you get ready to do something big, we want to have some of the people you've helped. We want to hear from them as well, because I think the proof is in the pudding when people Amen. say, oh, yeah, she's fantastic. Hey, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so Amen. why don't you give us uh, right. the contact information? Great. Yeah, yeah. You can contact me um, by email at help at liveinfinitelywell.com or by phone at 206-596-5980. And like I said, online, liveinfinitelywell.com. Okay, and we'll have all that posted on Facebook so people can reach out and get the help yeah. they need or get inf- information from you. So, Nichelle, thank you very much, and we'll have you back on when you have uh, the big one coming up here real soon. Awesome, awesome. All right, talk to you then. Okay, Rumba Notes every Thursday night, y'all, with Latanya and Nichelle, Sisters Rock Arts. All right, talk to you later now. Bye-bye. Take care. Okay, we're going to take a break and come back with uh, Estella Ortega after this message. At the Port of Seattle... Diversity is the source of possibility and strength. And we honor our diverse community by expanding opportunities for all people to share in our region's economic prosperity. From the seaport to the airport, we're working to support small businesses, including those owned by women and minorities, and to create quality jobs with lifelong career paths. 
the Port of Seattle continues to be your port of opportunity. Step up your commute and ride light. Sound Transit's new Capitol Hill and University of Washington Link Light Rail stations are now open. Get around town faster and more reliably than ever. Ride now from the University of Washington to Capitol Hill in just four minutes or continue on to Westlake Station in just eight minutes. Find lots of helpful information on how to ride, how to get an ORCA card, and more at ulink2016.org. Link Light Rail. More stations, more places. An alternative to everything else on your radio dial. Alternative Talk 1150. Hey, Eddie Ryan, Hayward Evans back at Urban Forum Northwest with our next guest is the distinguished executive director of El Centro de la Raza in Seattle, Washington. And uh, she was responsible for having a gathering uh, to, to memorialize and remember yeah. the atrocities that occurred in uh, El Paso and Dayton and everywhere else because El Centro is a center for the people, so they're concerned the about all of humanity. So, Estella, welcome once again. Thank you so much for what you do about keeping the issues out there. You and your staff do an outstanding job. But I'd just like to have you talk a little bit about uh, the gathering uh, that you had on uh, on Tuesday. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Eddie. It's, it's uh, always love to be on your program and get, get the word out about what we're doing. So, you know, across the country yesterday, it was the national night out, and El Centro had planned was planning the event, and we do it with a sunset concert. And, you know, we Monday morning immediately talking about what to do um, uh, to honor the individuals that were murdered, um, were massacred um, in El Paso and Dayton, you know, within less than a 24-hour period. So um, the uh, we had the vigil. It was the candlelight vigil. We obviously had, um, you know, some of our elected, like our Congressman Adam Smith, um, our state senator, Rebecca Saldana from 37th District. Um, we had um, Reverend Robert Jeffrey, who is also a member of our board of directors, and um, a rabbi. You know, we've been forming close relationships with uh, the Jewish community um, and their rabbis in terms of working together. And Chief Carmen Best uh, was always was also here. Um, you know, obviously, you know, people wanting uh, to come together, you know, people's hearts are heavy, you know, ab about what has happened. And events like of, of this type in terms of, you know, bringing people together in a vigil, you know, what we're doing is that we're seeking comfort in each other. You know, we're strengthening our resolve, you know, basically that gives us the determination to continue our work of defending our communities and building um, our beloved community, because it's very difficult, you know, and and Latinos basically feel like we're on the president's hit list now, you know, because we are constantly being attacked, you know, we're being criminalized, we're being scapegoated, um, just because of the color of our skin. Yes. And yeah. basically what's happened is that his white supremacist supporters now are carrying out his message of, you know, of incitement, and they're doing this through domestic terrorism. There, um, there's no question about it. Right. <laughs> there is no question about it. And uh, I, I guess, you know, uh, folks in, Day in, Day in Dayton as well as El Paso are barely upset about the president even showing up down there. And, you know, to sit back and watch on CNN and watch his statements over and over and, you know, the media, they can call it whatever they want to, but it just reinforces this hatred. It just it just authorizes people like 
you know, to sit up and say, what do you do if they cross the board and a guy yells out, shoot him? And, exactly. You know, I mean, come on, man. You know? I mean, and so, yeah, so they, that, that happened in May. And so here we are, you know, then two months later, you know, basically people are shooting, um, you know, and killing 22 people in um, El Paso, nine people in Dayton. Um, so, you know, our president um, basically is using the White House to uh, spread hate, you know, uh, in our country. And uh, he just continues to expand his, his ideology of hatred. And then, of course, acts like he's trying to unify the country and, you know, his comments that he made on Monday. Um, and so, you know, this man says one thing one day, but when it comes down to the practice and, of course, when he's saying those things, he's reading off a scripted Thank you. Uh, script. <laughs> and uh, but when he is on his own, his true colors come out in terms of who he is, in terms of being a hate monger. Well, that person, you know, I'm, I'm glad you said that, Estella. And, and it was beautiful when I saw you on the news last night. So thank you for everything that you're doing. But that gentleman's manifesto, that gentleman's manifesto spoke uh, directly to the president's words. And this whole absolutely. issue about invasion is absolutely ridiculous. But I guess I'm, I'm going to ask my listenership, what can we do? What can we do to be supportive of El Centro and the people now here to make sure we keep a safe environment, at least in our own backyard? Well, one thing that I want to say in terms of, you know, utilizing the word invasion, you know, that, that person's um, supposed manifesto, you know, definitely was targeting Latino people um, in Texas. But over the uh, over a six month period, Trump's campaign mm. has utilized um, the term immigrant invasion two thousand mm. times, Whoa. and so you can imagine, um, you know, you hearing that over and over, you know, you're going to begin to see these people are invading us, and you know, and 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 they're criminals and. And, and so forth, that people start acting out. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I just wanted to share that point. But in terms of what people can do, we know that we have to turn this country around. And if we don't turn this country around, things are going to be worse for That's us. It's going to go to hell. That's what's going to happen. You're right. right and so I, was, I was just looking at the data, the voting data this morning from King County, in terms of how many people voted in our primary. And in King County, we have something like 1.3 or so people who are registered to vote and only 21% voted. Yeah. We, we have got to have all of our people, especially black and brown people, because they they're coming, you know, they're coming after the, the Latinos right now, but they're coming after everybody. And if we don't vote in mass numbers and we register, we're going to end up with, with this president again in 2020. And so mm. my appeal to people is that please, you know, if you're registered to vote, you've got to vote. And if you're not registered, please get registered. El Centro de la Raza is doing work around voter registration you can't get out here, go online. That's what we need people to do because um, this is this is not a game. You know, we can sit back in our, our houses, but this is eventually going to impact all of us in one way or the other. They're not just going to be killing Mexicans. And by the way, the, the, the majority of the 22 people that were killed in Boston, 
They were elderly. Amen. Yeah. They, they couldn't run fast enough to get away from mm. him because mm. they were old. Mm. Yes. I mean, this is just horrendous. Absolutely. Absolutely, Estella. And then uh, the other thing people got to realize, too, this on this election, this year, will the state legislatures will be drawing the congressional districts for the next right. 10 years. That's what we get so that's why people really need to get off their duff and go vote, uh, especially uh, communities where, the, where your vote yeah. is trying to be oppressed anyway. So, Estella, I, you know, I just can't uh, say enough about the work that you guys are doing. And you're always always right on time. Always. It doesn't take you, Elsa de La Rosa, and yourself any time to respond to a crisis. It affects a large number of people. And it's like uh, in Dayton, Ohio, six of the nine, seven of the nine people that died, I think, were African American. Yeah. And I know right. in, exactly. in El Paso, twenty of the twenty twenty of the twenty two people that died were were Latino. So right. uh, so we know that. So. Uh, I want to thank you, uh, Estella, for a key. Uh, and we got to do a better job of getting these people out to vote, too. Absolutely. Well, that, I would ask you, Eddie, every time you do your program, you got to be just banging away and letting pe- reminding people, because we got to be reminded over and over before it sinks into our head. You know? Absolutely right. Thank you. And I'll be working, I'll be shoulder to shoulder with you, Estella, on, on that. All righty. Okay, thank, thank you very you much. Thank you so much, the both of you. Thank okay, you. thank you. Bye bye. Okay, Estella Ortega, Executive Director of El Centro de la Raza doing some outstanding work and keeping things before the public and the community's eyes. And before we go, I want to let you know that Urban Forum, but first of all, I want to congratulate uh, the whole uh, Africa Heritage Association, Association Africa for, Heritage. for the, the float you. that was in uh, uh, the Torchlight and, and the Emoja Fest Parade. And uh, congratulations to uh, Michelle Evans, Haywood Evans, Sierra Evans, and uh, all the Miles family yeah, Miles and, and uh, Gabby, Gabby, and and uh, we also had uh, uh, a, a lot of other folks. But yeah. uh, anyway, before we go, Urban Forum Northwest is brought to you by the Port of Seattle's Office of Social Responsibility, Sound Transit, Small Business Development, Labor Compliance Office, the City of Seattle's Purchase Facility and Construction Services Office, Concourse Concession, SeaTac Bar Group LLC, and Stephanie Ogle is doing the website for us and for the McKinney Center for Community and Economic Development on 22nd and Jackson. In about five to six months, you have somewhere to go get some help. Have a good one. We'll talk to you again next week. Thank you.